G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Christie-David. I run a mortgage broking business called Atelier Wealth, where we help specialise in um, property investors growing and building their property portfolio. And as part of that journey, there are ups and there are downs. And today's topic is no meaning to be a downer. It's, it's very much a reality of life. And we wanted to talk about the, I guess, the consequences of getting divorced when you have property. And to enlighten us on this topic is a great human who I have the pleasure of knowing, Siobhan Marlins from Separate Together. Welcome to the show. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much for having me. That's a pleasure. We haven't had the pleasure, I say pleasure, we've, had, we've known each other for quite some time and I've you know, watched your business grow with, you know, with great admiration and I've seen how, the, how you go about your business. And one of the key points that we want to talk about is your point of difference, which is the amicable divorce, which kind of sounds... Mm. Almost a, what's the word? A bit of an irony, right? I play yes. on words where your business is called separate together, but I would say that divorce doesn't have to be messy. And I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, divorce, all the D words. It's, uh, you know, everyone talks about the D word. It's like, it's dirty. It drags. Uh, what's the other yep. one? It's draining. Uh, and has, <laughs> it has these connotations. And I feel like you have come across and you flipped it on its head. And as part of that and that ethos that you've got, you have gone on to write a book about you know, how to separate together. Uh, you know, mm. it's, uh, I'm going to go to the title, Splitting Up Together, The How-To for an Amicable Divorce. And that's a powerful statement. Um, obviously, you don't want to come home and probably see that book on the, on the coffee table at no, some point. <laughs> <laughs> so what we are going to go through is kind of the nuts and bolts on when you go to get divorced, how does that initial conversation come up? How do you have it as two mature adults? And I think that's what divorce is becoming. It's going, especially in your mm. world, it can go two ways. It can be messy or it can be, hey, look, we're two mature adults. We made a decision that we're not going to be together. How do we move forward with life as well and get on with it? Yeah. So I'm super curious yeah. to the how uh, that you do that as well. But before we kick off, uh, I just want to I start with the three Ps for all our guests. So a bit about yourself personally, a bit about yourself professionally, a bit about your, um, your own property journey, what you've seen from a property perspective as well. Oh, gosh, I love the three Ps. Uh, so me personally, I've never been married or divorced. Oh, yeah. I've just moved in with my partner. Right. Um, so 32-year-old divorce lawyer, you can imagine the dating <laughs> stories that I've got there. Um, but no, no little ones. I set up um, this firm, this small business, separate together uh, in 2017. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really my sort of vehicle and my little baby that I've been working on these last last yeah. five years. Um I've been a collaboratively, well, I've been a family lawyer practicing for nine years and I've undergone additionary voluntary training, what's called collaborative family okay. law. Yep. So it's very much focused on helping couples stay out of the family court system. Yeah, okay. um, so that's personally, professionally. Yeah. Uh, and what was the other piece? And then property as well. Oh, love property. Our we are property based. So like some yeah. parts are bought, some parts are looking. I know you're, you're young, you're super young. So yes. Yeah. On, on well, I. I don't own property at the moment, but I did own a unit a few years ago and yep. I was pleased that I sold it at the time. But I remember the experience of I actually used a broker yep. um, and I didn't have a very good experience with him. And so that's what I love because you and I have connected over me sort of doing certain things. Yep. Um, and that's what I in part love about your process and your experience, the oh. experience that you make it as a, as a customer journey. So I appreciate um, If I could blush, I, I would I'm- right now. But, uh- <laughs> But anyway, it's um, look, and the respect is mutual, and that's why we we wanted to get you on. I've been kind of meaning to to get you on because it is. Uh, I don't want to say after COVID, but I feel like there has, and the numbers show it. There has been a spike 
uh, mm. in divorces and it's it's a reality it's uh it's work situations it's income situations it's living together for so long locked down with kids it's like that is a harsh reality for a lot of families where they you know traditionally went to work and came home and they weren't used to spending that much time together so some some families may have thrived some families survived and some are going down this path of you know, mm-hmm. separating as well so take me through kind of what you've seen more recently as well and, and i guess how you've found your sweet spot too I think certainly. So, just by way of kind of background and context, and yeah. by the way, I do talk quickly, so I'll, I'll yeah. slow down. But just I will listen. just jump in before we before we move forward and and start by saying this is a general chat in nature. So this is not intended yeah. to give advice. If you are after advice, please reach out to a trained professional and pay for your advice. So this is general a general chat, and hopefully it helps shed some light on what we're about to talk about. So sorry to cut you off there, but that's super. No, cool. that's yeah. a. Brilliant, brilliant. I am um, speaking to a lawyer, so I thought I'd, I would get the compliance <laughs> side done. Good yeah. <laughs> So just by way of background, what myself and the team do is we um, essentially help couples to work together in what is an otherwise divisive, combative and expensive mm. traditional family law legal system to help them reach a separation agreement together. And then effectively we take care of the paperwork. So you know what you want. You know, we're, we're sort of the people you talk to to make it all official and make yeah. that process and the experience simple and easy. Um, so in terms of what we've seen, especially by way of COVID, is, you know, what's happened with the property market in terms of, um, you know, being able to go and immediately rent or buy or mm. all those sort of living situations, um, and particularly with the lockdowns, is that we've seen one of those fight flight or freeze responses and so for the last few years we've certainly had either a drop in um, the number of separations that we've seen come across who have a separation agreement and then we've seen massive spikes Mm -hmm. and it's been quite interesting to see what's been happening in the property market side of things and and lockdowns um, you know seeing people come through on our end and so it's really um, pushed us to the brink of trying to think differently well how can we maximize the pie um, for Mm. this couple so that they can leverage what they've got so they can both move forward and buy the dream home or secure you know two two properties that are an appropriate standard for Mm. them both so it's been quite an interesting period the last few years definitely yeah beautiful so when we talk about say a very mature response what's the initial so how how does someone reach out and go hey this is the situation is it joint is at one person reaching out saying this is my decision now we need to get the other person on board like take us through i guess the mechanics on how someone gets divorced as well Mm, i think uh very much sometimes people will be talking and thinking about separating for a good six months before they make the decision Um, and sometimes it can be an ongoing conversation between a couple or it's although the writing's been on the wall for several years Mm. um and discussions have been had um, the person who's made the decision, the other person can feel very much blindsided by yeah. it. So sometimes people come across us and say, look, the decision to separate has been made. We now need to move forward. Um, and we're both on the same page about doing that in a constructive way. Um, other times people, you've still got that emotional headspace. And that's where yeah. it's really important, I believe, that people understand the grief cycle. So, mm. you know, you've obviously got um, the... Denial, the, denial, the yeah. bargaining, anger, um, depression yeah. before finally moving to acceptance. Mm. Um, so That's it's an certainly important a, journey. a transition That's a period. super important journey for a lot of people. And mm. some people, you know, I've, I've heard of a number of couples where they haven't had the chance to do that properly because they've been under the same roof 
because a lockdown they can't move. I'm like, that's a what a dynamic that is to be in the same house but be separated but still mm. under the same roof. That's yeah, not not ideal. No, no. Perfect. So talk me through what's an amicable divorce, and then we can't touch on it, versus the messy one. Like how, from a court perspective and a legal perspective, how do they differ? Oh gosh. A messy divorce, I think, is one where you've got a lot of intervention, whether it's with lawyers or going okay. to courts, that yep. judicial aspect. Um, and it's also the cost, you know, so okay, the, okay. the money that you're spending and exerting, but also the prolonged nature of okay. that that messy divorce. Yeah. And the experience, the toxicity, you've got damaged relationships, and we're mm. talking irreparable damage in terms of kids seeing pr- mm. parental conflict. Um, and we know that that's intergenerational. So it's yeah, so okay. important that parents get on the same page and get clear on, you know, what's important and what do we need to do to move forward. Yeah. So I think, yeah, a messy one is certainly where you've got this extended amount of time um, working and working on, you know, what is a, a tumultuous life yeah. event. Um, I think of a, an amicable one. Um, I... <laughs> People say amicable. I'm like, you do not need to be best friends with your partner. You just need to be on talking terms, have enough yeah. respect for one another to be committed to doing it together because that's what will get you the best outcomes. You know, yeah. your your partner is your, they're not your opponent. The situation is your adversary. And when you come at it that way, mm. you've got a really different perspective and an approach to towards reaching an agreement and, and getting the best outcomes for everybody. Yeah. I feel like just with that, you've just brought the energy. You know, when it's a situation, they just brought the energy down a notch and just go, okay, you've convinced me as well. And um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wonderful. I guess one of the big centerpieces, I mean, we talk about assets and especially going through a separation, one of the big assets is either the family home or maybe there's investment properties that are involved. Mm. And uh, now there's, you know, we can't agree, for example, who's going to get the family home, what about kids? So I guess it's quite, a, I mean, it's a layered question, but to kind of go back up to the top and just go, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer for this when there's mm-hmm. property involved, but what are the options that uh, that you've seen when there's property and we're going through a separation as well, Siobhan? Okay, beautiful question. Um, I often find that people aren't necessarily in opposition as to who should keep the home. Okay. And so what I always encourage people to do is work backwards. What are you likely to already agree on? Okay, you'll keep the home and take over the home loan. We'll each keep our own cars we'll probably be able to split contents between us. You might keep the shares, we'll split the joint account and maybe we'll do something on super. So Mm. when you work backwards, you're then able to narrow the issues that need to be agreed on. And sometimes the idea of one person keeping the family home, it then comes a question of, well, what should be the appropriate payout amount to the other person? Um, And so we've seen different scenarios where, well, People don't know what's possible within the bounds of the law. And so we'll come up with ideas to say, look, your borrowing capacity might be X. You agree to a payment of Y, but you can't immediately make that payment in full. So is there a way where you could do a chunk now and a chunk a bit later? And I guess that's a trust issue, right? Because you kind of, how does that thing get um, validated? Because you're saying, I'll get a chunk later. And it's like, how do I know I'm going to get that chunk later? 
Mm. And that's where your paperwork comes in because you've got those appropriate protections in place. So we're working with a couple at the moment where the husband's actually going to keep the home and they've agreed that he'll pay to the wife 65% of the current equity, but he can only afford to refinance the existing home loan and a payment amount equal to 60%. So mm-hmm. we said, well, that will all happen immediately. House will be transferred and husband, you'll pay the remaining 5% within two years. Okay. And so what I've done is crafted paperwork to achieve that particular outcome, yeah. but also ensuring that the wife has some protections that she's going to get paid and the husband can't just go off and sell the house and not yeah. pay her that amount. Absolutely right. Everyone's thinking at that stage, I don't want to say worst case scenario, they just don't want to cover their butts and go, well, if it's in paper, I want to see it kind of documented and, and how does this work in theory as well because you're right this is uh, and from you mentioned borrowing capacity that from our perspective that becomes one of the biggest challenges it's like they want to hold the family home maybe the kids are there that's close to the schools it's close to family maybe the ex-partner now wants to live in the same area but they can't afford to buy in the same area you know thanks to thanks to rising house prices so yes. it really becomes this uh, handball between two the, the partners going who's going to get the house how do we split it up for example and they know they're obviously bought it and what now it's worth, it's, it's substantial. So they don't want to kind of lose that asset as well. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yes. And you're also maximising the pie because yeah. you're not selling and therefore incurring the sales costs. Perfect. Um, so let's go back to the value. So there's one, of the, again, one of the questions that come up, and again, I see it, and I say, look, what do you think it's worth? And I say there's, there's three or four numbers. It's what partner one thinks it's worth, what partner two thinks it's worth, uh, what a real estate agent thinks it's worth, and what the bank thinks it's worth. So there's kind of four different numbers there. How do we agree or find or find that, I guess, that midpoint between them to go, this is a fair and equitable number? Mm, okay. So um, strict legal approach is that of getting a paid valuation okay. in the, for family law purposes in the absence of an agreement. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, working backwards, we work with so many couples who will either agree on the number or, for example, they'll adopt the midpoint range between a whole bunch of real estate appraisals and the bank valuation. Okay. And they feel comfortable with that. So I suppose the key takeaway when it comes to determining what is the value of the house for the purpose of our agreement paperwork is almost anything is possible provided you agree. Um, and as you mentioned, you've got options to, to help you get clear on what might be an appropriate house value. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. Oh, perfect. The... The other point now is uh, some of the implications that happen. So again, we've agreed on a value. Now we get into the nitty gritty of kind of that, that moving forward piece. And it's like now there's maybe stamp duty or if it's an investment property, there's capital gains tax attached to this event as well because uh, we're changing, you know, stamp duty, we're changing the title ownership, for example. So how do we navigate this next hurdle? It's again, not a problem because plenty of couples have done it before. It's just understanding what are the options that are available to, to someone going through this scenario. Yeah. So you, in order to get a stamp duty concession or exemption on the transfer of a property between a couple when they separate, the couple has to make their separation agreement official under our legislation. And there are only two ways you can go about it. So one way is what's called a financial consent order. The other way is what's called a binding financial agreement. If you don't do either of those two things, you do not get stamp duty concession. Likewise, on the issue of capital gains tax, so there's immediate capital gains tax rollover relief that gets applied on the transfer of a property pursuant to a to a legal agreement under okay. the Act. All right, perfect. So yes, when you break that down, what I'm hearing is, but there are options available. 
there are yes. options to say rollover um, and not, not incur that upfront. But, and again, I speak from, from the broking perspective, we need one of those two agreements, right? Because mm-hmm. the bank will not kind of proceed to say, well, we're getting divor- we're getting separated or divorced, but there's just no paperwork to back it up and, you know, things can't move fast or slow depending on, I guess, one person or the other. So it's kind of like they're holding things up and now I can't proceed with the loan and now, you know, situations may change. So the goalposts may move that work has now kind of, you saw that COVID, like work may have dropped off. It's like, I had the borrowing capacity, now work stopped. Now mm-hmm. I don't have that. Now that the goalposts have moved and now that causes again another friction point. So I guess where, where I'm going with this is once the wheels are in motion, how do you keep keep that momentum going? Because it can be, like you're saying, those those phases of you know, emotion. It's like, no, nah, I'm putting a wall up, for example, or one person's just not not playing ball. How do you how do you intervene at that point professionally? I find it's timeliness is so important to people, the, the experience of it and having this wrapped up and sorted so that I can, you know, move on financially, emotionally and so forth. Yeah. And so I often say to people when they're, they're looking to, I suppose, um, finalise their agreement, I say one of the things you want to be doing, if you haven't already, is getting at the bare minimum an indicative loan approval amount yeah, okay. and then otherwise having applied for your formal loan. So if you have those two balls in the air, as in your formal loan application, as well as your separation agreement paperwork, you're going to get a lot of momentum and quickly. So mm. we've worked with people. So first day one, we had an initial consult. Their agreement was sorted, signed, all given effect and signed off wow. by the court within 18 days. Wow. So things can happen really, really quick yeah. or fast um and it's certainly i think about what people choose to prioritize when it comes to to working through this because it need not be difficult complex and take forever in a day yeah and i feel like you're i don't um toot your horn but i feel like you're a bit like a best kept secret especially kind of (laughs) when i when i do and you know we i won't say it's i'm agnostic but when someone's going through it they feel like the only avenue at that point is to engage, say, the family lawyer and go down that path of, you know, court. And, and again, what you're saying is, you know, kids get drawn into it as well. And then it's like, from a borrowing capacity, you know, who has the kids? Is there child support involved? Is there shared custody? That becomes a super important part, especially around the borrowing capacity, because effectively, who's got the dependence on their borrowing capacity and the servicing? And then who's paying if there's child support that's involved? Now that's a, you know, that's a liability that comes out, which can hamper or hinder borrowing capacity. So again, that's yes. that kind of reads its ugly head at some time when they're going, oh yeah, I thought my borrowing capacity was here, but because there's a different agreement now with children, it then changes, you know, changes the outcome as well. Mm, yeah. No, they're great points you made. Perfect. So I guess for for someone that's going through this scenario, maybe it's early stages, maybe yeah, they're part way through, or they're even just considering Siobhan, like where what's I guess your parting words or a, a bit of sage advice that you may have to go, here's some of the things, the blind spots that you just haven't, because you haven't been through it, here's what you don't know, for example. So probably the biggest key takeaway when you're talking about property um, is to work with a mortgage broker because um, you do not know what's possible in terms of your borrowing capacity, your ability to afford, you know, and or refinance or discharge of mortgage. Mm. And that will certainly inform what otherwise is a viable option when it comes to your financial separation agreement. So 
Um, you can be really creative. You can do these part payments, as I gave the example before. You can do a delayed house transfer, discharge of mortgage. You can leverage equity in an existing property to go and buy a second one for the second for the other person and then look to discharging that and cutting that financial tie when each person's in a position to afford to, to service the line themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, working with a broker who's strategic um, and understands your goals and what you're trying to achieve is certainly the biggest key takeaway I think people really ought to consider. Um, and that's the biggest blind spot. People stay with the bank who have their own vested interest because they perceive that to be a lot easier, which is not always the case. Um, I think otherwise for people working with a collaboratively trained family lawyer is a must. Um, they've undergone additional voluntary training, so very much focused on the best interests of the family, not, well, I'm entitled to this and I'll take you to court and those sorts of yeah. things. Um, but then otherwise I just suppose um, just to rear home to people the commitment, if you and your partner commit to separating together in what is an otherwise divisive system, you will set yourself up for success. And it's the situation that's your adversary, not your opponent. No matter how much bitterness or resentment there might be, it's um, it's all about moving you forward and you can progress that further if you do it together. Yeah. And I guess you've been on the inside of seeing a lot of these, how they work, a bit like us where we see, you know, the great portfolios, the great clients, the great investors, and we see the ones that you know, haven't gone on to you know, get to where they wanted to. You've been, I guess, behind the scenes and you've seen the ones that have a very amicable separation and the ones that, you know, they're what I'd call like great clients in your eyes because, you know, they've, they've turned up, they know exactly what they're looking for and they just need that that guidance and that know-how mm. as well, yeah. Perfect. Siobhan, what I would love to do is, if you don't mind, I'll put it in the spider here, is uh, if we could get a copy of your book uh, possibly and we'll, we'll include that in the in the bio on the link because I think that's super important for someone that maybe wants to reach out. Uh, I, I know how businesses are built on confidentiality. So if someone wants to reach out and have a confidential chat, we'll also include your details. Um, maybe it's just understanding what's involved. Maybe it's understanding the fees or maybe it's just understanding how you work and how you're different. So I think... Uh, on that note, I want to say a sincere thank you. It's um, it's one of those topics that you know we we can skirt around, or we can just go, hey, look, this is happening, and let's be adults and let's put this on the table. Mm, amen to that. <laughs> thank you, Aaron, so much <laughs> for having me. It's no, been no, an absolute pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Uh, you are yeah, a wonderful person, uh, and I know you've got a heart of gold, and, and it comes this comes from a place of helping people and helping them mm. move on with life and. They may go on to lead a very happy life, and this has happened for a reason. So we're big believers in that. Um, happens for a reason. Um, you look back and go, yeah, you can connect the dots down the track. So, Siobhan, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, like I said, if you are keen to reach out to Siobhan from Separate Together, we'll include her details below. That's a wrap for another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Christie-David, and until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.